Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tonight in college football, we will crown a national champion, TCU and Georgia from SoFi Stadium. Kickoff just a little after 6.30 tonight in Los Angeles, Georgia, 13.5-point favorite. That line has moved a point since we closed things out with you on Friday when it had gone from 13 down to 12.5. So Georgia almost a two-touchdown favorite in the game. Good Monday afternoon, and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Not too late for you to get in on the action at the Golden Moon Casino for the national championship game. Maybe you like Georgia in the 13-and-a-half. Maybe you like the total one way or the other at 62. Or maybe you like getting almost two touchdowns in the national championship game. Whatever it is that you like, you can get it. At the gold, uh, the uh, sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. If you want to be a part of the conversation? We'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Ceasefire Country. This is what we've worked Toward the entire year, this night where we crown a champion, certainly our overwhelming preference would be for a team from the state of Mississippi to be playing in this game. I don't know. Maybe as we get farther down the road and we get to a 12-team playoff, that possibility becomes more of a reality. But we're seeing this year a team that was not very good a season ago is now playing for a national title. Maybe that gives hope to everybody when you look at what TCU has accomplished. Before, guys, we get specifically to this game, let's talk about how we got to this point. And I don't mean just the college football playoff semifinals. I'm talking about the season as a whole. When we reflect on the 2022 college football season, Maybe I'm off here. I don't think I am. This year was more fun than some seasons have been. It felt like there were more teams that were in the mix. There were some new storylines this year. And I feel like, I mean, the television ratings throughout the year bore it out. There were good crowds, especially for big games all throughout the season. 
This college football season had some legit juice to it. And I think it was needed, right? It's just what the doctor ordered. Because college football is great every year. We love it. But there have been some bad years. I mean, it hasn't been long since we talked about in August, well, it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson in the Final Four. And guess who showed up in the Final Four? And guess who won? Alabama. I mean, there have been years where it felt like the sport outcome was inevitable, and and a lot of things were boring, essentially, about college football. And to your point, this year was an exception when it needed to be because of all the discourse and all the stuff around college football that, that turns people off. And I understand it to a degree. Player movement and money and stuff being involved is off-putting to people. But then they got to put the television on, or then they got to go to the game, and see compelling, high-level quarterback play, teams that are non-traditional powers like TCU and Tennessee playing well. Ha, ha, ha. There's a joke there. Tennessee fans mad at you. It felt like the top of college football was gettable by everybody, and the results bore that out. Like you said, the ratings were good. Non-conference games crowd stunk across the board, but nobody pays attention to those anyway. Atmospheres were outstanding. You had big brands, you had small brands, you had really compelling football. So in a time where the sport needed it to look like this, it looked like this. And it was an incredible season. Brian Haydad, you operate under the premise that every college football season is a gift, that is a gift that should be enjoyed, that should be unwrapped, that should not be overlooked, should not be shoved to the side. It's a shiny new toy every year. But even a guy like you who feels that way about every college football season, surely you can look at the year that we just had and go, this is one that I'm going to remember. This is a gift that's going to stand out maybe a little bit more. There are definitely some some great moments. I mean, but there are great moments every season. But there there were definitely some games. I think in terms of the college football playoff, for sure, because those are the two probably. You know, even when you had Georgia uh, Oklahoma a few years back with that fantastic game, uh, the other game was Alabama Clemson, and it was a it was a dud. So this is I think is the first time we've had two great semifinals. And of course, the excitement of going into you know, two years from now with the expanded playoff is great for me, but. I do disagree with a lot of what Borky had to say, which I knew he he knows I was going to disagree with him, that I don't really care how fun, formulaic the, 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 the August is. I'm still going to be locked in and excited for every weekend of college football. And, of course, now we're here at the end, and that's eight months of, of, of waiting coming our and, way. And in fairness, our college football playoffs were three Blue Bloods and TCU. It just happens that... You had two great games to get to the national title game. You didn't have that clunker. You didn't have that blowout. You didn't have the want-want game. And TCU didn't get bounced. Cinderella didn't get sent home early. Cinderella gets to go to the final dance and and see if the... Sorry, I I started to say and see if the slipper still fits. I I just can't take that analogy any farther. (laughs) You you get what I'm saying, though. And and with that, I will ask you a question. I, I saw this on Twitter... Which means it's right, right? Um, somebody said, Absolutely. as as exciting as this game is, it just doesn't feel like there is near the buzz that we would have if 
we had Georgia against Michigan tonight. Do you agree with that sentiment? Is there a little less pizzazz to this game than if it had been Georgia-Michigan? We're probably not the best people to ask, but to me, no. I mean, if I if I lived in Milwaukee, you know, maybe I'm less inclined if a team that my Badgers played this year is not involved to watch. But for me, it doesn't change anything. I'm just glad it's somebody else. I think that obviously when you have two big brand names, you get a mm-hmm. little extra juice sometimes. But you, we would have all been sitting here saying, and, and this is kind of strange, right? Because Michigan's number two team in the country and. They were really good this year, but we would all have been saying, well, we saw this last year, and Georgia just ran all over them, and it'll probably just be the same again. Whereas with TCU, we haven't seen this matchup, and the way that they played Michigan, there's there's the, that hope of, could something special happen tonight? I think if Michigan were playing, you don't have that same buzz. Yeah. The, the helmets would look great sitting side by side. That, yeah. That It'd be a great Michigan pregame helmet. video of, yeah, yeah the great, you know. Shim Beckler versus Dooley, it'd be great. And, and, you know, I kind of, to make a point, used the term Cinderella a second ago. I think TCU has shed that label. I don't think TCU is Cinderella. TCU just quite simply belongs here tonight. I don't think the stage is going to be too big for them. Georgia may win. Georgia may cover. But I don't think that that means that Like the text we just got, this is David versus Goliath. So somebody sends a message, says, who doesn't like a David versus Goliath matchup? It may not be exactly that, but it's kind of close. That's from Adam in Monticello. Is this David versus Goliath tonight? Or is this just two really good football teams to close out the 2022 season? It's David versus Goliath. It's David versus Goliath. As much as you can get in this setting in the sport. A true David versus Goliath would be Georgia versus Furman, right? And the championship. That would be a real David versus Goliath based on the parable. But this is as close as you can get to the college football national championship being that. The, The financial discrepancies in terms of roster expenses, if you will, are rather dramatic. Uh, The... TCU would be the first champion ever, at least in the recruiting ranking era, to not have at least two recruiting classes ranked in the top ten to win the championship, and they would have zero. So they would be the first to not have two, and they would have none. Uh, Budget, both dirty and not dirty, if you will. Roster acquisition costs, brand power, everything. This is as close as you can get to in this sport on this stage to that. Maybe to underscore what you're saying, Sonny Dykes has been a good football coach. In his career, he's 20 games above 500. Would you care to take a guess how many double-digit win seasons prior to this year Sonny Dykes has led a team to? It's not more than one. It's one. 2019 SMU went 10 and 3 with a loss in the Boca Raton Bowl. And 3 years at Louisiana Tech he won 5 6 and 4. I'm sorry, 5 8 and 9. At Cal he won 1 5 8 and 5. At SMU um let's see uh, 
5, 10, 7, and 8. And this in his first season at TCU, 13 and 1, and playing for a national championship. Who are you cheering for? We'll talk about that when we come back. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Officially Inglewood, California, just south of Los Angeles proper, SoFi Stadium, beautiful stadium. It is um, it is unseasonably cool in Southern California. Currently, fifty-seven degrees. I, I said to Borky, man, they got a bluebird day there. They were showing some shots outside the stadium. I think those may have been like uh, previously recorded drone shots. Looks like it's gray with some rain. Uh, there is a roof over that stadium, but. Okay, help me remember. It's an open-air stadium, but there is a roof over it, correct? Isn't that how that one was designed? That is correct. So Which the weather it? would never impact games there, but it is open-air. It's a pretty cool concept, actually. Except for lightning, remember? They had a lightning delay for uh, a Monday night football game earlier this year. forgot about that. And that's dumb, right? I mean, if it's covered, then why do you have the... I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It was well. They never get lightning. That's the thing. It's they they never get it, and because they don't ever get it, they don't have to account for it. But yet, that one time they got it. All right, all right. So here is the question: Who are you pulling for tonight? Which is the team? And I don't. When when I say pulling for, I don't mean like, are you wearing a jersey and are you decking out in red or purple? but who do you want to see win? Who is it for you guys? Hey, Dad, start us off. Well, I mean, first, I don't even know that I, I pull for a team, to be totally honest with you. I, I just watched the game. But that said, it'll the show will be a lot funnier tomorrow if TCU wins. We'll have a lot more to talk about because I think that leads us into a whole can Mississippi State and Ole Miss do this discussion. Um, you know, and it's not the same because TCU plays in the Big Twelve and the and State and Ole Miss play in the SEC. It's a much tougher road to get there, but it's harder to get there. You know, yeah. Especially when, like you mentioned a second ago, when you get to the twelve-team playoff, you have you have opportunities. So, the the, the content for content reasons, I, I, I would guess I'm pulling for TCU. Okay, what about you, Borky? Uh, hard pulling for TCU, uh, majorly. For a couple of reasons. I love the story. And this will be a larger conversation either today or, or for tomorrow. But I think that TCU winning would be great for the overall health of the sport. Now, them getting there, like you said this morning, and I agree with that, them just being there uh, signals a lot. But finishing the job over Georgia, who don't hate the player, hate the game, has one of the more expensive rosters in college, or they, at least they did before NIL. I mean, Georgia's paying a lot, getting a great return on their investment. TCU's not paying a lot for their roster. To, to overcome all the things that TCU would have to overcome, I mean, they're not even one of the better brands in their own shrinking conference. I mean, they're what? the At best, the third best brand in their own state. 
That's like Southern Miss being in the college football playoff. They're third in their own state behind Texas and A&M. Don't forget Oklahoma and others in their own conference. It, so I'm rooting for them because, like Haydad said, I, I think it would be a signal, especially in the expanded playoff era, that it can be done. And we have had in years past in this state teams that were the right bounce away from getting there themselves. So when you say this only happened because they're in the Big 12, sort of, what did they win, eight one-score games? Something like that. So if a 4th and 25 doesn't happen, Ole Miss is playing in the SEC Championship. Recent history. It can be done, but this would be a a spotlight on the fact that you don't have to be Georgia and Alabama to win the thing. That it takes some magic, but it can be done. And also, I think conference pride is really, really stupid. If you're an Ole Miss or State fan rooting for Georgia tonight, why? You're already the richest conference in college football. You already have the most attention. You already get all the best recruits. Do you really want somebody you're competing against to have another championship ring? Not that it really makes that much of a difference, because Georgia's going to maintain their status of being a wagon with or without a win tonight. But do you really want to give somebody another bullet to fire? Another ring to put on the desk of a recruit? When when a guy that you're recruiting from Mississippi, some five-star linebacker from Mississippi that visits Athens and visits Oxford and visits, Star- visits Starkville, but Kirby Smart gets to put another championship ring on his desk when they're having that one-on-one meeting, why would you want that? Conference pride, I think, is ridiculous. You want everybody, not you in the SEC, to lose games like this. And so, yeah, TCU. So I would be happy for TCU. I think it would be, to Haydad's point a second ago, a great story. Like I, I, I completely agree on that front. And I think it'd be cool. First and foremost, I really would like a great game tonight. We were so spoiled with the semifinal games. They were so entertaining. And I'd love to get a repeat of that for the national championship. But I think I'm pulling for Georgia. And I hear everything you say about conference pride. And you're right. You're right. But at the same time, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, a lot of what they have that is good is a result of the success overall of the league. The the dollars, the interest, the enthusiasm, all of it. That's not why I'm pulling for Georgia, though. Um, forever. Athens has been my favorite trip in the SEC. That's one of the reasons I'm, I'm excited that we're, we're going to go to a, a more balanced schedule where you get to make that trip a little more often. Can't wait to do that this coming November. Uh, Georgia has been the, the team that I have liked, other than Ole Miss, since I was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old. So, yeah, and I've got some close friends um, either that work at Georgia or are affiliated with Georgia or went to Georgia or Georgia fans, and kind of for them I'd like to you know see Georgia win it all again. But we'll see. Um, I mean, your, your 41 years joke got blown out of the water last year, so it's not like we can, we can go to that I can't use it anymore. anymore. Can't, can't use that one anymore, so... Uh, I, I think I would prefer to see Georgia win the game. I, I, again, I get what you were saying for the whole conference pride thing. It doesn't help you for necessarily for a team in your league to win. But I don't think it hurts either, right? I mean, Georgia kind of already is who they are. 
Let's go to the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Cody says it's going to be either a win by a field goal game or a blowout. 35-38 Georgia. Uh, wait, I guess that's 35-38 TCU over Georgia or 42-17 Georgia. That's Cody. Um, I thought it's very fair. I actually agree with that. Like, if it's yeah. close, I think TCU could maybe walk it off and win it. But I would if if it is a blowout, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by TCU. Right, right. Uh, only an Ole Miss fan would cheer for Georgia. Would love to see Georgia get embarrassed. Okay. Zach from the coast. Of course, Cross is in favor of the rich getting richer. One hundred percent with Borky. Georgia win does nothing for State and Ole Miss. Here's another one. Don't really care who wins, just hoping for a close game. If Georgia wins in a blowout, all you will hear is Alabama fans screaming, see, they didn't belong, we should have been in. Yeah, they've kind of already dispelled that myth. Yeah. Uh, agreed again. Man, you are on point today, Borky. Never pull for an SEC team in any postseason game or bowl game. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Certainly not the College World Series final either. Yeah, hey, Dad was all boomer sooner when that was happening. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Georgia, I think the atmosphere will be too much for the TCU ball players. Georgia 35, TCU 10. Let me ask you that question. We talked about this earlier today. Is there a scenario where this moment is too big for TCU? Uh, I mean, that's a bad sure. question. Of course there is a scenario where that is the case. Do you think that this moment is going to be too big for TCU? Because I really don't. I, I don't think it will be, but it certainly could be. You know, they, especially if, if they start slow, a t- an early turnover, could it, it could spiral on them. But if they get off to a fast start, I think they'll stay in the game the whole way. Four players on that roster have played in a bowl game. Four. Wow. So, well, but they've all played in a semifinal game. Exactly. And they have, I mean, we talked about it last week. They've played in those eight one-score games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if not being prepared for the moment will be the reason they lose. And some people will do that. Oh, TCU just, the, the bright lights got to them. Well, then why haven't they until this point? No, if they lose, it's because they weren't as good as Georgia. But they're prepared. Well, you for say this. that they, they got the bright lights got them at the Big Twelve championship game. Is that what it was? They just got beat by a red hot Kansas State team. Well, they lost. They did, but and it wasn't because the stage was too big or the lights were too bright. They just lost. I don't know. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll pull it back to Mississippi. We'll talk some basketball when we come back. Uh, according to Brad Nessler and uh, the crew, we had the Egg Bowl on uh, on Saturday. I don't think we had the Egg Bowl. I think we just had a basketball game involving the same schools that participate in the Egg Bowl. We'll be back. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon, the 9th of January, National Championship Monday. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, and you, thanks for joining us. Gotten a lot of messages already from you on the Ceasefire text line. We'll get to some of the ones that we've missed. Reminder that we will have winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour college football fix. That's how we'll begin the 5 o'clock hour. Plenty of conversation about Georgia and TCU as we go throughout the show but let's uh, let's turn our attention at least for uh, a few minutes back to the state of Mississippi and the basketball game that happened on Saturday in Starkville. Mississippi State a winner over Ole Miss. Uh, it was a close game for a long time, and then Ole Miss went on an extended drought. Mississippi State made some shots, and the Bulldogs pulled away. Late in the ball game, and they got the victory. Hey, Dad, you were there. Let's um, I, look. I, this probably doesn't really matter, but tell me about the environment. It, I thought it looked and sounded pretty good on television. <clears throat> yeah, uh, not as big a crowd as the Alabama game, um, and I think, and I'm not trying to poke fun or anything, but there were more Alabama fans there when they played than there were Ole Miss fans there. So you know, I think that that obviously a few hundred seats for sure. Uh, but I thought it was an overall very good crowd. And then when State made their run in the second half to get the lead back and, and, and sort of take control of the game, it, it was loud in there, you know. And that's back-to-back home games for State, where you had you know a big enough crowd that it felt like it used to feel sometimes at the Humphrey Coliseum. So I think they're on the right path there. They have two on the road this week and then two at home next week. And if they continue to play, you know, the way they've played. Maybe they can get a split this week. You should have some some good crowds next week and front next Saturday, the twenty first is a seven thirty p.m. tip. So I mean, chance to to have a really good crowd for that one. Yeah. So that's not this coming Saturday, but a week from this right, coming Saturday, two Saturdays from now. Yes, correct. Sixty four fifty four was the uh, was the final. Uh, Ole Miss was better than they were against Alabama, shooting the three when they went. Two for 24 and were eight percent from behind the arc. I guess compared to that metric, they were a lot better, but still only 23 and a half percent, four of 17 shooting the three. And there were a lot, and, uh, and a lot is not an exaggeration. There were a lot of open looks from three that Ole Miss just missed, and a lot of them missed badly. Ole Miss shoots 36% from the field, 23.5% from three. Mississippi State shoots 39% from the field, and they hit a third of their threes. They went 5 of 15. It's not like they just lit the world on fire, but a better percentage. Mississippi State could have cost themselves once again at the free throw line. They were fortunate not to have that come back and bite them. There is part of the DNA of this Mississippi State team right now that is not a good free-throw shooting team. 13 of 26, 50%. That's gross. It just got yeah, be better. I mean, State, I think, is around the 350 mark nationally. Uh, there are 363 teams in Division One. if you want to know where that, that puts them. They're shooting, I think, 62% from the line for the season. Uh, and that number has crashed in SEC play. Where they're what you know they were fifty percent against Alabama, fifty percent in this game, and I think forty three percent against Tennessee, seven of seventeen. So they've been really bad in conference play. Chris Jans, I mean, he, he's scratching his head like the rest of us. That doesn't know how to fix that, but got to fix it. Got to find a way to do it. Ole Miss, what a, what a weird second half they had. You know, they they were terrible shooting in the first half. I think they were seven of 
uh, I don't know, 7 of like 30 or something like that. They came out hot in the second half. They hit six of their first eight shots. They grabbed a seven-point lead. And then, you know, State doesn't call timeout. They're trying to get to the media timeout or whatever. And Ole Miss just dries up and State gets hot. And they go on a 16-3 to run. And next thing you know, they've gone from down seven to up five in like five minutes of, of, of game time. Ole Miss, like I said, started out six of eight in the first half or in the second half and finished six of their next 20. And they just they totally lost their shooting touch. That, did they lose it or did they find it again? Oh uh, yeah, they found it for a second. I guess would be a good way to put it. No, I mean yeah, they found I, their, I you guys their actual DNA there. Yeah, I sent you all this text during the game, and you know I listen to you guys talk about Ole Miss basketball, and I'm listening to you, and I haven't really watched them this year, but seeing them up close, that is that is a really really bad, like strikingly bad offensive basketball team. It, it, it almost feels like you watch them play and you think a really a, a good, elite, like Bronny James kind of high school team might be able to beat them. Ole had two players in double figures. Matthew Morrell had 19 points. He was one of seven from behind the arc. Jamin Brakefield actually continues to play well. Ten points on okay. four of six shooting. In 35 minutes. And he had seven rebounds in the game as well. It was a good game for Jamin Brakefield. Mississippi State had only two players in double figures. Tolu Smith had 12 points in 15 minutes. Played only 15 minutes in the game. Five of seven yeah, shooting with five trouble. rebounds. Had, had the foul trouble issues. But that really opened up the opportunity for Will McNair, who played 25 minutes and had 13 points and seven rebounds. Had a block, had only one foul that he picked up in the game. Will McNair may have been the difference for Mississippi State on Saturday. Yeah, he was State's MVP because you think with Tolu out, you're really in trouble. I mean, I think if Tolu could have stayed out of foul trouble, he might have combined him and McNair's numbers and had 20 plus points and double digit rebounds. But for McNair to come in and, you know, it played, had moments this year, but to come in and actually play well and be the best player. That's something Mississippi State has desperately needed is a guy off the bench that they that can get them some points, um, especially if they're going to struggle to 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 uh, to score like that. I'm just going to tell the truth for a second. Those two bad basketball teams. Yeah. I said it at the game, and you said it today on our production call. If either team had been any good, they'd have won by 25. Yes. Simple as that. Simple as that. Yes. Um, I, I, I think there are a couple of things that stand out right now for Ole Miss. Absolutely terrible from from distance. I mean, just, so, so what? Over the last two games, 2 of 24, 4 of 17. So that's what, 6 of 30 foot, 6 of 41 from behind the arc. Oh, in the last gracious. two games for Ole Miss. Six of 41! That's... Like, you have to try to be that bad shooting the ball. So, let, let, let's recognize that that is not a strength for Ole Miss. And if that is not a strength, what do you do? 
Well, you better figure out a way to try to get to the rim. Try and figure out another way to score. What was the opportunity to do that on Saturday? I don't know how closely you watched the game. Hey, Dad, you were there. Borky, I know you watched it on television. As you listen right now, I don't know how closely you watched the game. Mississippi State spent a fair amount of time in a zone. There was a soft spot in that zone. And and when I say soft, I'm talking about like, a mattress that you sit down on and you just sink into and you have to, like, pull yourself out of. And it was the free throw line, right? It was that area at the free throw. Now, it didn't stay soft necessarily for an entire possession, but there was an opportunity on a lot of trips down the floor where if you could get the ball to that soft spot in the zone in the high post, from there you can create, right? Defense has to collapse because that's a wide open shot. That you, you turn around, you square up, you got a 15 footer from the free throw line. From that high post spot, you ought to be able to get guys slashing. You ought to be able to get guys cutting to the basket. You ought to get a lot of movement in what you're trying to do offensively. You should be able to kick it out to some open looks. I'm not convinced you're making the open looks, but you should be able to get high-quality shots when there is that recognizably a soft spot in the middle of the zone. I vividly remember Ole Miss going to that soft spot once, and it was about five seconds too late on the shot clock, and it was a lazy little lob pass over a defender that got batted away and turned into a transition bucket the other way. I can't begin to tell you how far I am from really understanding how to diagram X's and O's, but if a novice basketball watcher... Look, I'm. you guys know I'm kind of no basketball, but not like at a level of coaching it or really analyzing it. But if Jay Wright spots it and talks about it and Bill Raftery spots it and talks about it and uh, Brad Nessler can recognize they're not doing the exact same thing easily, why is that not something that, that, that Ole Miss sees and adjusts to? It. It just doesn't make any sense. And I look, I mean, if Kermit Davis is listening right now, he might say, Richard, you idiot, you have no idea what you're talking about. And maybe he's right. Maybe I don't. I just know what I saw, and what I saw wasn't working. And it looks like that's something that would work. Ole Miss got serious problems. What about Mississippi State? How good are they? Let's talk about that next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, so I asked the question before the break. What is Mississippi State? How good are they? I, I guess I have to go back to what I said initially about Ole Miss and Mississippi State that I thought that was two bad basketball teams. Mississippi State 12 and 3. Their net is in the mid 40s. They are 1 and 2 in conference play. 
and we have a little bit of a disagreement amongst ourselves about what it's going to take for Mississippi State to be an NCAA tournament team. Just looking at their schedule coming up, they've got Georgia on the road on Wednesday night. It's a game State's got to win. It's not an easy win. One, you go on the road. Georgia has already beaten Auburn at home. They were close against Florida on the road. First-year head coach Mike White, familiar name, yes, in the SEC and here in the state of Mississippi. And then State goes to Auburn. And, hey, Dad, you, you said a second ago, you got to find a way to split the games this week. Yeah. Hard to win on the road. It is. I mean, it, it just is. is. But, I mean, you look at Georgia's net. I mean, I know they did beat Auburn, but they're down in the hundreds. You know, you, yeah. that's a game you sh- you, you got to find a way to win that game. You know, Auburn would be a big plus to win if you could somehow somehow do that. But Georgia's at one nineteen. You, you got to win. You got to find a way to win that game. Um, as what state is is they're they're not. Let's go back to football, right? They're a good bad team. They're not. They're not a good team at all because they have a huge flaw, and it just happens to be. Everything offense. It's not. It's not three point shooting. It's not free. It's they can't shoot. Period. They're good enough defensively to make up for it some nights. Um, but with the way the schedule lays out, it, it depends on who they beat and who they lose to. If they lose to one of the RPI bombs in the conference, if they lose a game to South Carolina, Georgia, Texas A and M, it's going to be tough. But if they can win those games. If they can beat TCU in the SEC Big 12 Championship, I think TCU's net is 30 right this second. That game is in Starkville. 17th rate team in the country. Yeah. Then you have an opportunity. Or if you can find a way, you can lose that game. But can you find a way that, you know, you've got games remaining with Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, LSU, Auburn, to win one of those games and give yourself a good boost in the net. You're going to be there on Selection Sunday. You're going to be be on the bubble, last four in, first four out, whatever you want to call it. They have that opportunity. Mississippi State closes out the regular season with Texas A&M at home, South Carolina at home, and Vanderbilt on the road. That's a chance to finish strong. 3-0 going into the SEC tournament. A chance to finish strong. And can they kind of weather the storm? That Borky, you watched it. What did you see? You look at this Mississippi State team. I I, I have the same fears you guys do. I, I I mean, but the thing is, sixty-eight teams got to get into that tournament, right? I mean, see, you got to get sixty-eight yeah. of them. And the net, as opposed to the RPI, really loves the SEC, and in part because the SEC's gotten better. It's not just that it decided that it likes the league now. The league has improved rather dramatically, but. Man, like the Tennessee game, for example. I don't think State played bad defense against Tennessee. Not bad. They could have been better, I'm sure. But in basketball, you're going to run into teams that just make shots. I watched Kevin Durant play the other night. I mean, Herb Jones played elite defense on Kevin Durant. Guess what he still did? He scored. Because sometimes scorers just score regardless of how good defensively you are. I'm afraid the state's going to run into a lot of those games where their opponents just shooting well or, or scoring the basketball well, and they they can't win that way. And that'll be the thing that keeps them out of 
reaching a pretty lofty year one goal, for being honest. If they don't make the tournament, it's not like the year one's a failure for right. Chris Jans. NIT would be a great first year for yeah. Chris Jans. But, but that would be the thing that would keep him away. So in 15 remaining SEC games, do you see a path to Mississippi State going 8-7 and seven in their last 15 SEC games? Because that would get them to 9-9 nine and nine in the conference. And the metrics like them. It will be a grind and a process and every other word you want to use to describe it. But is there a path? Yes. Yes. But it will be, it will be incredibly difficult to do. So, Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, whether or not they win... If they go eight and seven, it's going to be because they win the majority of their home games. And so, if you're yeah. a Mississippi State basketball fan, and this is not a plea for you to go to games, you go to games, don't go to games, whatever. We're, we're kind of past that. Oh, you got to go fill it up. I'm just saying this because I've been there, you've been there, you've seen it. Humphrey Coliseum, when it is mostly full, is a hard place to play. It is loud. It's loud. And that is a difficult place for opponents to play when that building is right. It just is. And so you kind of get to make a decision if you're a Mississippi State basketball fan. Are you going to kind of help be a part of this first-year program, figure out a way to scratch and claw and get most of their home games and give them a chance? Or are you just going to kind of sit back and watch and see if it happens? Go or don't go. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you, if the hump is rocking, State's got a lot better chance to win a bunch of home games. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk, Mississippi. One last note from the basketball. Uh, Richard, I ran into Dr. Keenum on uh, on Saturday. He said, don't worry, you're going to look great in maroon and white at the Palmer Home Radiothon. Oh, really? Yeah. You'll look, you'll look fantastic. I only you need two what? more wins. You, you know what I might do, Mr. Hayden? Mm-hmm. I might uh, I might reach out to uh, Dr. Keenum and see if he's got a maroon blazer I could borrow. Ooh, that <laughs> would be a good sport coat. So you said yeah. you only need two more wins. So football counted for two, right? Right. So you got it's, it's, ele- two. It's, it's eleven. It's eleven points total. I have four, so I need uh, just one, two more wins. So you have four football, one basketball. What's the other one? Soccer. Soccer. You guys included soccer? soccer in there. He included soccer. I, yeah, we just. With all due respect choice. to the young ladies that work very, very, very hard, uh, that it's you know. Well, it makes but, sense to keep. We got to keep something in there to keep it uh, an odd number too. So true. Yeah, uh, that that makes that makes sense. Hey, Dad did push back when I mentioned volleyball, and I was like, "So we didn't include that." You didn't say volleyball. You didn't include I, it. Look, I'll go along with whatever you say the rules were. It's for a great cause, whatever. I, th- this whole two points for football, I, I don't remember that conversation, but I'll just have to take your word for it, I guess. I mean, I can go find I can go find the, the – I'll, I'll clip it for you. Well, don't you worry. keep saying that you're going to do that, and you keep not doing it. Now I'll do it. Now I'm going to do it tonight after the while I'm watching the game. Okay. 
Borky, do you have do, do you remember that that we decided that football was worth more than um I if if we didn't then I agree with that though football needs to carry more weight football well, should not you count don't get to as go the back same and as make the governor's the rules cup, later you know if it, if it were me I would count football like 4 I would count football more than 4 a football win is well, bigger than a baseball series over. win uh but you, you, if if you went with two, then two is fine. I think next year, though, football should count for even more than two. Well, next year we can just do the, the egg bowl as the as the bet. We don't yeah, have to. People to care s- about baseball string it out around here. Oh, they do. They do. We can come up with another bet for that. I'm all about bets that make us look like fools. Mm. And goodness knows, if I have to wear maroon, I'll look like a fool. I, mean, I was thinking you, you, you know, definitely get some maroon in there, but I may try to see if we can get a a, a good old. I'm going to talk to Jake Mangum and see if he's got a black baseball jersey laying around that we can put you in. Because oh, I know how right. much you love. Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe we can wear some black pants too. You you got a connection with yeah. the equipment manager? I'm sure we can get Richard colors. with a full ba- No, that that needs to be forget well, the blazer. So full state baseball black uniform. For Richard Cross. That has got to be what it is. That would be hilarious. That would be mm. pretty funny. Yeah. Well, they're not using them anymore, right? So I could, yeah, it shouldn't nah, be an nah. issue. Yeah. So I have my own idea. Baseball pants. I'll go along with a jersey. If I got to wear a helmet or a hat or something, that's fine. I, I don't know that I, I'm going to be I wearing have, baseball pants. I have pants. my own idea for this 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 thing that I think you'll you'll get behind. No, it's, not, it's nothing. You won't be embarrassed. Not an MSU thong or anything. It's mm. just I have my own idea though. We'll see. Oh, I'll wait till, uh, till... <laughs> I'm pretty sure grown man in a thong at the Palmer home. We don't we don't need that. We don't need Can we that. get a Mississippi State banana hammock. <laughs> just the M over S right there. Oh. <laughs> mm. uh, Woo! There are a lot of contests still to uh still to be played. There are, there are. Uh, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. We are streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Got my Dancing Rabbit Golf hat on today. Uh, check them out, dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book a tee time. You can uh, plan your trip. Man, tomorrow going to be great. Wednesday going to be what? Almost seventy degrees. Hey, cool back off a little bit about it. So that's the thing about fall golf and winter golf, right? You got to kind of pick and choose. You can't yeah. play every day. There are days where it's too cold. There are days where it's too wet. But if you love golf, you're keeping an eye on that forecast and you're going, ooh, yeah, it's going to be 60 this weekend. Take advantage. You can do that at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18 hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, dancingrabbitgolf.com. Um, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Speaking of Dr. Keenum, he said to me one time, hey, Dad, he and I were, I don't remember if we were texting back and forth about something or if it was an in-person conversation. He said, you know, you really should let Brian Haydad talk more. <laughs> and, I appreciate I that, said, Dr. Keenum. I said, that is, that is, that's a good suggestion. Do you have any ways you can get him to talk more? Because I try to drag it out of him sometimes, and he'd rather. Uh, I'm, work, I'm uh, working. A little, little, little short answer. Yeah, a little short answer. Right. So well, you know, those well, were the, the saga of the previous two years. Back up, so. Previ- well, I don't want to talk about that. Good Lord. Uh, 
previous two years I had to be more quiet. I had to hold my tongue. This year I can I can let it fly. Yeah. You can you can just let it fly. Uh, yeah. It is just after four o'clock on a Monday. That means it is time for winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? That's a winner. What did you not like from the weekend? That is a loser. Michael Borky, you look like you are chomping at the bit. Lead us off. Well, this is something, for some reason, I find myself caring about fans of bad teams. And this weekend, for NFL fans that I think deserve something good, was an awesome one. First of all, shout out to Mar Hamlin, by the way, released from the hospital today. That's awesome. One week. One, one week, he's uh, he's back in Buffalo, Congrats. you know, having to obviously go right back into the the hospital at home. But he got to go home, which is awesome. But the Buffalo Bills, now they've been good for a couple years now, but those fans had been beaten down, and they live in a really gritty, tough place to live, and I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But now you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you know, I mean, Jacksonville's got, they got like a minor league team, right? The stadium's kind of next to... Uh, the football stadium there. I think they play double-A baseball, whatever. But in Jacksonville, it's the Jags. And the Jags are exclusively bad. They went to an AFC championship with Blake Bortles, otherwise have been nothing but terrible and irrelevant for basically the entire existence of the franchise. For the most part. They've yeah, been... there, was that, there was that window in the uh, like early to mid two thousands with uh, uh, Mark, Mark Burnley and yeah. uh, Burnell, not Burley, Mark, Mark Burnell. Yeah. In fact, it was the Titans Jags. I mean, it was pretty heated rivalry back and forth. They were, they were in the AFC Championship game. What like five years yeah, ago with, with Blake Bortles? With with Blake Bortles? Yeah, yeah. but that defense was great. But. Or, but it's a bad franchise in terms of record. Terrible franchise. Every year, their team gets brought up into moving to London or whatever. Saturday night was an awesome environment. Yeah, and that place was nuts. And the team wins the division on a pick six. I mean, it was really cool. And so they're in the playoffs, hosting a playoff game, a game that I think that they can win. They deserve it. The Detroit Lions also, they didn't make the playoffs. But after their horrible start, don't you think those people are on cloud nine after just getting beaten into the dirt for years and you ruin Matt Stafford and... Living in Detroit's not exactly easy either. Uh, I mean, it's a fan base that's been through a lot. And Dan Campbell, even after finding out they got eliminated from the playoffs when he was asked about the team's motivation, he said, well, we want to make sure they don't make it either and pointed across the field to the Packers. Sure enough, they keep the Packers and Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs as well, and those people are through the roof. I like when fans that have been through the crap that those fans have been through, get something to be excited about. So Lions fans, Bills fans, Jags fans are winners because their football teams were fun and competitive, and they have watched a lot of bad football to get to this point. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I might be stealing one from you guys because I know you all love to talk about networks and ratings and stuff, but ESPN getting a Cowboys-Buccaneers Monday night playoff game. (laughs) America's team, Tom Brady, maybe his last game ever, depending on how it goes. You just don't ever know. 
I mean, this legitimately, I, I don't think I'm being o- overkill here, but legitimately might be the highest rated non-Super Bowl NFL game of all time. It, it has an opportunity to do that, I think. Just because of it's Monday night and these two teams, there's going to be a lot, a lot of viewers. ESPN has to be chuckling that they got that matchup. It's the first time that ESPN has gotten the best playoff matchup in the Super Wild Card weekend, and it's not close. I mean, it's they've been they've been doing like a, a simulcast on ESPN, ABC for the last few years, and it's like their Wild Card game is like the Padres against the Tigers. I mean, it's like kind of that's what they've had, not this year. Borky, you, you're better at this than I am. Is there a scenario? Were there 50 million people that watched that game? Oh, yeah. Uh, the only yeah. issue is it's on ESPN, and so since you don't have standard cable, yeah, that, that'll keep it down. Is it not ABC also? If it is, then yes, they'll hit 50, I bet. I'll give you my winner when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Again, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you, Supertalk TV. Winners and losers. We'll get to yours coming up in just a few minutes on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Chad Ramey is a, uh, is a secondary winner. He finished 38th, which was um, one better than Xander Shoffley, who withdrew from the Century Tournament of Champions. Chad Ramey won on the PGA Tour last year, therefore earning an invitation to play in the season-opening event, the Century Tournament of Champions in uh, in Maui. Hey, Dad, you know what his check was for finishing dead last in this event? $250,000. $201,000. It's good work if you can get it. Winning on the PGA Tour has its advantages. But actually, my winner, and you probably could roll a loser into this if you wanted to as well, John Rahm, who started the day seven shots back and at one point was nine shots behind Colin Morikawa, he goes out and he shoots a final round 10 under 63 to win by two shots over Morikawa at 27 under par to win the Tournament of Champions and cash a check for $2.7 million. That is not a bad way to start the new calendar year on the PGA Tour. Yeah, Morikawa has not won since he got engaged and married. So you know what that means. Uh, No, I don't know what that means. Don't do it. That's what that means. How about making a oh, bogey on 14, it. a bogey on 15, and a bogey on 16? That's what you should not do was, to lose the tournament by two shots. He was thinking about how they should have eloped. Yeah, maybe so. 
He's thinking about how he left the throw pillow on the floor, and he's going to get yelled at when he gets home. By the way, for his efforts in second place, Colin Morikawa won a million and a half dollars. Yeah, can't feel these are good. That deals. sorry for him. No, no. no uh, any losers from the weekend? A couple. One, the obvious uh, Ole Miss basketball. I went back and, and pulled some of the. Uh, I was going to use it, and then I chose not to because that. It, I know how fans operate in times like this, and I don't think that they would have appreciated very much doing the see we told you so. But I found a couple of our old clips from back in March after they announced that they were going to continue on with the current leadership of the program. And and we talked about what needed to change, and it was a very long list. And that was kind of the theme was, it's a bunch of ifs. If they do this, if they do this, if they get this in the portal, if they do this, if, 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 if. And not all of those ifs are going to hit. And we're going to be having the same conversations this time next year. And sure enough, it's not even March when those happened. And here they are. It's a bad offensive basketball team. It's a miserable product to watch right now. And the body language on the team is bad. Uh, Fans are, are checking out. And I really need to push back on people keep saying to me that, well, nobody cares about basketball here. I have seen just okay Ole Miss basketball teams fill up arenas with good, energetic crowds. The fan bases here do not demand impossible things. They just want you to be entertaining. That's it. And right now, Ole Miss basketball is neither compelling nor entertaining nor dynamic. It looks the exact same. I'm sure there are things that have changed. But it looks, from the 30,000 foot view, like all of us are looking at it, like it's the exact same thing. Offensively, it's a disaster. They can't score. And the biggest indictment is something we talked about last week. Players that have transferred out magically get better at scoring the basketball. It's not an accident. And not having a competitive basketball team really stinks. Uh, And fans are checking out. But this they-don't-care-around-here thing is false because I've seen a packed arena for just an okay team. So I, I, that narrative needs to die because it's not true at all. And, you know, there's one thing I didn't say when I was kind of addressing the issues earlier that Ole Miss basketball had and, you know, like not attacking a soft spot in the zone and whatever else. It's not all on the coaches. Like, I mean, I know ultimately the responsibility falls with the coaching staff and it falls at the feet of the head coach. But the basketball IQ for a lot of the guys that are on the floor, is lacking severely. There are plays to be made, and there are just, I mean, just there's just a lot of bad basketball plays that are happening that good players make. Like, like they, They're there to be made. And I'm not necessarily talking about knocking down shots. I'm just talking about making the right pass, making the right pass at the right time. Uh, understanding time and score and situation and what's a good shot and what's not a good shot, all of that stuff rolled into one. And a lot of that falls on the players themselves. But in this world that we live in, that ultimately falls in the lap, at the feet, on the head, on the shoulders, however you want to describe it, of the uh, of the coach. Uh, hey, Dad, do you have a loser? We got a loser and a winner in the exact same person, and that's Quay Walker. Made a terrible error in judgment yesterday uh, during the uh, Green Bay uh, Lions game where the, the trainer's coming out, and he's trying to look at one of the Lions players, and inexplicably, no reason whatsoever, he just shoves the guy, shoves one of the trainers. 
That can never happen. He was immediately ejected, as well he should be. But comes back today and on on Twitter issues what was a real, good, decent, sincere apology. Not if you were offended, not I recognize the, not I'm going to try to be, just I screwed up, that was stupid, I'll never let it happen again, I'm sorry to everybody I let down. I can live with that. So loser for the actions, but winner for being a man and taking responsibility for it. Here's the statement. It says, I want to apologize publicly about what happened Sunday night. I reacted off of my emotions again and take full responsibility of making another (laughs) stupid decision. Since then, I've questioned myself on why I did what I did when the trainer was doing his job. I was wrong. I understand I have to face everything now that comes with the decision I've made, and I'm paying for it now. To explain my frustration in the tunnel, I wasn't upset about being kicked out. I just knew I messed up again. He's done something similar in the past. And I was wrong for what I did and couldn't believe I did it again. To the Detroit Lions and the entire training staff, including the person I did that to, I am sorry. No caveats there. Just... I messed up, but I'm sorry. Yep, that's what I want to see. Some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line, James in Hattiesburg, he says, Jay Ladner is a winner. He's got Southern Miss where they are very entertaining. The crowds are starting to come back. They can split the week uh, this week, two road games, come home still in first. They will be have very good crowds in a couple of weeks. That's from James in Hattiesburg. Brandon. Winner, Geno Smith, he picked up an extra million dollars in incentive for taking pretty much every snap this year, then picked up an additional million dollars for making the playoffs. Thank you, Detroit Lions. Not to mention, he broke Russell Wilson's single-season yardage record for passing. That is from Brandon. Uh, Ed and New Hope, losers, Cowboys. I think he's talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think that's like Cowboys in general. Right? I mean, we, we... yeah, we generally think highly of Cowboys. Hard workers. Yeah, I, I think it's the Dallas Cowboys that he's talking about who got beat 26-6 to on the road by the Washington Commanders yesterday. You know what's going to happen now, right? Something that you talked about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to Tampa and lose. The Bucks have been bad all year long, but because of how the playoff yeah, format yeah. works out, they, they didn't win the division. The Eagles did, so they have to go on the road, and they're going to go on the road and face Tom Brady. So what? it's good for Saints fans, though. Here's a Never little spin zone for you. count out touchdown Tom. Never. Here's a little spin zone, though, because Sean Payton is clearly entertaining offers, but the beauty of that is is the Saints get final say because he's under contract for the next two years. If Sean McVay retires from the Rams, which apparently is a possibility, and the Cowboys fire McCarthy, which if they go to go and lose in the first round of the playoffs, they're going to fire him. That means the Broncos, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys will all want Sean Payton. And you know what that means for the Saints? Bidding, bidding war. war. There's a good draft pick that is on there the way. There is draft picks coming now, to so the, the Saints. have already given Denver permission to mm-hmm. interview Payton. Right. But they still get to negotiate what the, the terms are, right? Yes. I mean, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And granting permission doesn't be... mean that they agreed to the, the terms presented by the Broncos. It's just you can interview right, you can them. You can go interview. 
Right, but if you want to hire him, that that what is it, number three, number four pick, or whatever it is, is coming to New Orleans, and one next year too, probably. A couple of others probably. here: They're winner, Ole women's basketball. They're off to a four zero in the start in the SEC. They're fifteen and two overall. Had a nineteen point road win against Texas A and M. Winner: Todd Blackledge and Noah Eagle, new NBC Big Ten Saturday Night Broadcast team. Big loss for ESPN with Todd Blackledge leaving. Uh, winner, us. Game kicks off at 6.30 local time tonight. Yeah, you're not going to be up super late. Uh, Steelers touchdown celebration, a loser. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Crowd split going to be not tonight at uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. You guys got a guess? Nine uh, percent TCU, fourteen percent Georgia, and the rest a bunch of corporate shills <laughs> who who don't need to tailgate, who are perfectly fine paying seventeen dollars for a, a a beer, a white claw. No. I believe like seventeen dollars no. for a white claw. There's no laws, I am told, when those are being consumed. Mm. It's it's anarchy. Uh Borky, on a slightly more serious note, I mean it, it feels like it's rare for Georgia to play in the postseason when it's not in Atlanta. It's like every time they're playing for something big, it's at Mercedes Benz Stadium. And like 70 to 80% yeah. of the building is Georgia fans. We've seen Georgia fans take over a road venue, right? They did it when they made the trip to Notre Dame a few years ago. And, and they did the, the whole light up Notre Dame stadium at the end of the fourth quarter. It was one of the coolest things you'll ever see where it was like 50, 60% of the stadium was Georgia fans. But for that, that was kind of one of those bucket lists, been planning for this for three, four, five years, however it goes. Georgia fans travel really well. They're trying to see their team. I'm wondering if the fact that they won a national championship a year ago makes it yeah, maybe a point where not as many fans travel this go-around. But on the flip side, if you're a TCU fan, oh, you're in. You are there. Have to be. I mean, there's yeah. no been there or will be there again. Speaking of the tailgating thing, by the way, so as we talked about last week, and if you weren't familiar, they banned tailgating outside of the stadium there in Los Angeles. Yeah. Make your California jokes and stuff here. But they banned tailgating, right? Signs everywhere, no <laughs> tailgating allowed. College Football Playoff puts this out all across our social media platforms uh, just as our show started today. Ticket holders. So, again, you have to be a ticket holder. You have to have a ticket to the game. Ticket holders. Come tailgate with Tierra Kennedy and Kelsey Ballerini at Champ Tailgate in lots B and C at SoFi Stadium. Does do they have no idea who their audience is? 
It'd be different if this was like the halftime show, because the Super Bowl halftime show is not for football fans. Like, if you're asking for Hank Williams Jr., you're not going to get him because they want mass appeal. It's the halftime show for people at home. This is not the halftime show. This is nothing but you have to have a ticket to go. And you've got a bunch of people from Georgia and Texas. And you're blocking the tailgate lots for Tierra Kennedy and something called Kelsey Ballerini. She's not bad. I have no idea who those people are. And I'd be willing. What is she? A singer? I, I guess. A dancer? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. An abstract artist? Who knows? Yeah, she's a singer. Seriously. I, I mean, I mean but, how do you but, not but, know who your people this, are? This is, a, this is a college football playoff thing. This is not a SoFi thing. Josh Pate was talking about this on Twitter. This, this was the college football playoffs, the people out there's decision. So, I mean, it's just silly, right? Because, I mean, they're tailgating at SoFi for Charger games, right? There has to be. There was tailgating at SoFi for the L.A. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, or the, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, what is, what is the, the deal? What is the, the, the thought process? What's the rationale? Money. This is anti-American, right? I mean, isn't this the game where you, like, throw a Kenny Chesney parking concert in the parking lot? Exactly. Or Pat Green, or, I mean, good grief. I was just thinking some Texas music there, hey, Dad? Somebody's asking me if I'm a boomer. Maybe, but I also know what college football fans from Georgia and Texas want for their pregame entertainment. George Strait is what they want. Well, but Or they want that to not take up the tailgating lots so they can tailgate. That, that's what they want. They would prefer no act be on some random stage outside of the stadium blocking the tailgate lots. They'd prefer that just not exist so they can pull up a smoker and spend all day hanging out in the parking lot playing whatever music we, they want. We could be having a full-on brisket versus pulled pork battle yes. in California right now, but we're not going to get to. So local time kickoff for this game is going to be 4.30, right? Yeah. Yes. And it probably doesn't matter for this game, but for any other event, that's that's tough ask on a, on a Monday. Uh, fifth all-time meeting between TCU and Georgia. Georgia has won each of the previous four meetings against TCU. You know when and where the most recent meeting between Georgia and TCU occurred? The Liberty this, Bowl. Oof. That is correct. What a guess. So that, Let's go. Kirby's, Kirby's first year? The 2016 Liberty Bowl. Kirby Smart oh, capped wow. his first year as Georgia head coach with a 31-23 victory in Memphis. Was that Jacob Eason? Remember when he was going to be Tom Brady? I remember that. Number one. Yeah. yeah. Georgia to Washington. Yeah, big arm. Yeah. They had they went, they went Jacob Eason to Jake Fromm to should have been Justin uh, Fields, but then they stuck with Jake Fromm. Yeah. Boy, speaking of uh, Georgia and quarterbacks, the, Stetson Bennett had a quote during their media ops where he said that nobody believed in us, and before you say you did, you, you totally didn't. That the incredible thing about <laughs> preseason number three, yeah, you just won the national championship. Nobody believed in us. Come on, man. Everybody, everybody picked Alabama in the SEC. 
Yeah, but nobody believed in Georgia's ability to get to this spot. Are you kidding me? It's it, it, here's your boomer take for you on the text line. It's an indictment on society. Shout out to that columnist from San Francisco. That Stetson Bennett in Georgia feels slighted by being picked preseason number three. We, as a society, seek being slighted every day. Yeah, so we can have a chip on our shoulder, right? People are telling us that we're, we're losers for not knowing who this Kelsey Ballerini is. Yet there are four different spellings of her first name in our text. Like, how popular can she be? That you can't even spell her name. Somebody, I think three of she, you are she's, wrong. She, she's like uh, somebody that you hear on the highway. If you listen to satellite radio, which which hey, dad does not. Uh, no. SoFi Stadium's on a bit of a heater. It's a seventy thousand two hundred forty seat stadium. They had the Super Bowl last year. College football playoff tonight. WrestleMania is coming up in April. CONCACAF right. Gold Cup Final on July 16th of this year. They're going to host multiple matches in the World Cup in 2026 and the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics in 2028. It's a pretty good run for a brand new say, stadium. Never walk away from a heater, they say. Yeah. I mean, it looks awesome. But I just could not fathom. I mean, I guess it's happening everywhere. I couldn't fathom spending $17 on a single... White cloth. I remember spending eight for a for a beer at the Superdome one time, and I was just like, "God, yeah." Not at Mercedes Benz Stadium, though. Fan friendly pricing at Mercedes Benz. See, yeah, and and, and guess what they learned? Falcons that people spend more money, and and they made more money because they didn't feel like they had to. Anyway, I mean, I spent twelve dollars, thirteen dollars on a beer at the Superdome earlier this season. But it was 24 ounces. It changes things a little bit when it's the size of a missile. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, when you when you go to a big event, you got to pay for everything. They're killing you on everything. Yeah. So take two hundred bucks for concessions and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, you've already had to dig deep if you were going on this trip. I mean, what's another couple hundred yeah. bucks at the concession stand? Maybe Alabama fans are richer than we give them credit for because they get to do this like every other year. Basically, they just they just have money, you know, running out in reserve to go to these games. I'm like, you know what it really is? It, it's bandwagoners, people uh, that yeah. people that live in Dallas that picked Alabama because their Cowboys can't win playoff games. They've never been to the campus, never been to the state, and they just because Alabama's a winner, they're front runner fans. And I'm not. I, I, every school needs fans that didn't go to school there. You shouldn't have to be an alum to be a fan. I don't like that. But I'm talking about people that live many states away that only choose Alabama because all they do is win. They've got those people across the country. So they can fill up these stadiums in these big cities from a bunch of people that aren't, I mean, that just live there. And our front runners. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, you, you're 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. All right, so final week of the NFL is in the books. We had two games on Saturday and then a bunch of games yesterday. No Monday Night Football National Championship game happening tonight. So Saturday, Borky mentioned earlier the atmosphere for Jags-Titans. Jags come back late. They outscore the Titans 10-zip in the fourth quarter to get the win 20-16. to Chiefs beat the Raiders in Las Vegas to uh, secure the number 1 seed in the AFC. Rest of the Did scores. Did you see their ring around the rosy play call? Didn't it get wiped off the board? For holding. And I swear the refs called holding because it was so disrespectful <laughs> that they just had to make sure that it didn't work and score a touchdown. Why was it because of when it happened during the game or just it made a mockery of football? I don't think it made a mockery of football. I think it was awesome. It was kind of fun. <laughs> But man, that is that is showing how unserious they took that game and their opponent, though. Well, uh, Mahomes said since it didn't work, he said we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board. He said, you know, Andy <laughs> Reid gives us some freedom to have input and come up with ideas, and that's what we came up with. And you know, if it had worked, it would have been great. We're gonna have to go back and figure out something else. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, the best descriptor I can give you is they huddled up where literally they all put their arms around each other in a circle. And they started hopping and moving in a circle like they were little kids on the playground, going in circles, going in circles, all the all 11. And then they broke and they separated. And Patrick Mahomes was in the pistol. He wasn't the quarterback. He was behind, I forget who it was that actually took the snap, but Patrick Mahomes was lined up as the running back in the pistol. Guy takes the snap, runs an option, like a speed option to the right, pitches it to Patrick Mahomes. He turns around and throws it back across the field. Ball is caught on a screenplay that scores a touchdown that got called back for holding. Was it Miko Hardeman that, that took the snap, I think? May have been. But, yeah, he runs a little speed option, flips it to Mahomes. Mahomes throws it back across the field for a perfectly set-up screen. Yeah. <laughs> that made it to the end zone. But That's good stuff. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, Falcons beat the Buccaneers, and yet the Bucks still win the division and will host a playoff game one game below five hundred at 8-9. and nine. Falcons won seven games this year. Somehow. Good for them. You yeah. know, had the Panthers held on last week and the Falcons beat the Bucks this week, Saints Different would have won story, the division. Right? Different story then, but it didn't work out that way. Didn't work out that way. Uh, Bills beat the Patriots. Josh Allen had three touchdowns. I mean, how about the opening kickoff of that game going for six? And and Josh Allen's reaction on the sideline, where he kind of comes out of his jacket and he just puts his hand on the side of his helmet as if to say, what just happened it was like it was scripted. It was incredible. 35-23 Bills over the Pats. Apparently Hamlin in the hospital caused every meter to go off and like nurses rushed into the room because he started. He got up and started jumping up and down. He was watching the game in the hospital Jeez. and everybody lost it because all of his buzzers were going off. Uh, Vikings beat the Bears. Bengals beat the Ravens. Texans over the Colts. That's the worst win ever for the Texans. It cost them the number one draft pick. 
They had a bunch of crazy stuff happen on the final drive. Went for two, got it. They won 32-31. Lovey Smith was fired after saying that he 100% expected to be back as the head coach and had had a great meeting with Cal McNair either earlier in the day or earlier in the week at some point. Uh, Davis Mills did have three touchdown passes in the game for the Houston Texans. Uh, in you know an what instant- that was from Lovey? He knew he was getting fired. That was a middle finger. That was a, you brought me in here. You set me up to fail. Here's your number one pick. One year. Yeah, one year. And here's your pick right here. Uh, an instant classic in South Florida. No Tua Tonga-Vailoa, but the Dolphins win 11-6 to over the New York Jets. Is uh, Robert Sala still keeping those receipts? Whoops. Panthers win 10-7 over the Saints. It's a pathetic classic. Yeah, it was pathetic. The Saints defense gave up like 12 points per game this year. Had a losing record. Didn't go to the playoffs. Uh, Steelers over the Browns, 28-14. CPR celebration, not real classy from the Steelers. Has there been more explanation? Was was that not the Steelers? I didn't, I'm not saying happened. it didn't happen. I just didn't see it. Google that and fact check well, me, but I think there was a, yeah, it it was. Yeah, they did. Wow. Not, not a great look. Regardless of the intent, regardless oh, if gosh. that was intended to honor first responders and medical professionals, uh, not a great look six days after CPR on the field was the difference in a man living and not living. Tough look. Broncos beat the Chargers. Eagles beat the Giants. Niners over the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury is out in Arizona. Seahawks beat the Rams in overtime and then get into the playoffs. Everybody that had the Seattle Seahawks making the playoffs this year, raise your hand. Yeah, I didn't think so. No. Them making it and the Broncos being pathetic and firing their coach. Commanders 26-6 over the Cowboys. That was gross. And the Lions, a winner, 20-16 over the Packers, keeps them out of the playoffs and gets the Seahawks in. College Football Fix coming up next. Mm, From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour with you on National Championship Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of everything. Gaming, dining, golf. You got the sports book, you got the water park, you got live entertainment, and you can find out about all of it online at PearlRiverResort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Let Ceasefire help with all of your business IT needs. You can find out more online at ceasefire.com slash business. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. 
Find them online at genteelapparel.com. I think we got the Genteel trifecta going on today. Borky's got the uh, Genteel pullover. I got a Genteel pullover. Hey, Dad's got his Genteel shirt working as well. We love them, and you will too. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Go to their website, genteelapparel.com, and find out for yourself. You're going to love them. Golf shirts, pullovers, heavier weight stuff. You got outerwear, spring just around the corner, new line of golf shirts that are coming out, the shorts. I'm here to tell you are fantastic. They are worth trying out as well. Genteelapparel.com. Tonight, Georgia will try to become the first back-to-back national champion in the college football playoff era. The last time you had a team win back-to-back championships, Alabama in 2011 and 2012. Before that, it was Nebraska, 94-95. had been a long time before that. OU did it in 1955 and 1956, you go back to the 40s with Notre Dame, it is rare for a team to win a national championship in consecutive years. Last year, Georgia did it. Can they do it again tonight? Facing off against the TCU Horned Frogs, who were not the champions, they were the regular season champions of the Big 12. They did not win the Big 12 conference title game. Lost that to Kansas State, beat Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal, and earned the right to take on the Georgia Bulldogs, who won last week against Ohio State in the other college football playoff semifinal. Speaking of college football, right now it is time for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Maybe it's a 2022, maybe it's the brand-new 2023. You test drive one, you're going to love it. 45 straight years, number one selling truck in America. Let's bring it back to the state of Mississippi. Plenty more time to talk about Georgia and TCU in this final hour as we lead into kickoff that uh, is a little after 6.30 tonight in Los Angeles. Let's start in Starkville. When we left you on Friday, Mississippi State was still in the market for a offensive coordinator. As we are with you at 5 o'clock on this Monday afternoon, Unless something has changed that I'm not aware of, Brian Haydad, Mississippi State is still in the market for an offensive coordinator. Still in the market. And I would not expect news on that, to be honest with you, probably until later in the week. Okay. Uh, Zach Arnett currently at the uh, the coaches' convention that they have every year around this time. Great chance to network there. My guess is his future offensive coordinator is also at that convention. And they'll speak sometime in the next few days. And then I think once you have that one in place, the rest of the dominoes will fall. Your running backs coach, who I, I if I had to guess, and that's just a guess, will be will Jason Washington will remain on staff here in Starville. And they got to find a tight ends coach uh, as well. And then you you know on the defensive line, there's a lot of smoke that David Turner is going to make a return. Uh, to Starkville, he was at Georgia Tech last season. Very familiar with this area. Recruited guys like Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons. So he knows what it takes to get it done at, uh, in in Starkville. But the offensive coordinator uh, situation remains up in the air at this point. We get a message on the ceasefire text line asking about the possibility of Cliff Kingsbury as the next offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. He is now available. Seems unlikely. Better chance that it's you, me, Richard, Michael. Anybody else you want to pick, then it's going to be Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and I had a state fan friend ask me about that, and and not to insult him, 
because I know he listens to the show. Sorry, man. You already got my answer earlier, though. If he's only one, then that's great. But do you guys honestly, does does anybody honestly think that he's going to go from NFL head coach back down to coordinator level, even if he gets back into the college game, not at an elite program where he can coordinate a championship right away and then get right back to the NFL? I mean, do you, do you think that would be the plan? Knowing what you know about Cliff Kingsbury, do you think that he wants to get back to the grindstone and recruit a bunch of 16 year olds again? No. NFL teams are going to be after that guy to be their play caller. Like, I even kind of laugh at the, well, he's going to be the next guy at Alabama. I don't think he'll have to go to Alabama. And he doesn't need the coaching rehab like guys like Lane Kiffin have needed. His NFL team just didn't win enough games. There was no scandal or anything, but his offense was in the top ten in basically every category with a quarterback that was often injured, and you had to put a clause in his contract to force him to study four hours of film a week. He's not jumping back in to grind away unless it's in Alabama, and even then I think is not going to happen. I agree. He's got four years left on his Cardinals contract. He, he, they're going to write him a check for like $30 million here soon. He's not going to jump right back into the grind of recruiting. No. no I agree. Uh, there have been a number of you who have uh, pointed out, as I was talking about, the back-to-back national champions in college football at Ole Miss in 1959 and 1960. Uh, the truth is the NCAA only officially recognizes the 1960 title. The 1959 national championship by Ole Miss was, oh, I don't remember which organization gave them a national title in 1959. Mad Magazine, I think. Come on, hey, Dad. Come on, bud. I mean, seriously. I'm just, I'm just, I don't. I don't recall either. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, I don't know the field and UPI or AP or whatever it was. It was so anyway. We we can dig that out, I suppose. Uh, but that is in terms of uh, teams that have been recognized as back-to-back national champions in college football, and there just aren't very many of them. You had Minnesota in 1940 and 1941. Army in 44 and 45, Notre Dame in 46 and 47, Oklahoma in 55 and 56, Nebraska in 94 and 95, Southern Cal in 03 and 04. They were declared co-champions in 03, and their 04 win was later vacated. And then you had Alabama in 11 and 12. Um, So it is not a frequent thing to have back-to-back national champions in college football. Hey, Dave, what about on the uh, the transfer portal front for Mississippi State over the course of the weekend? Anything happening there? Yeah, I picked up a commitment from Christopher Keyes, a Mississippi native who uh, left the state in 2020 to go play at Indiana. Uh, defensive back, that was a cornerback in high school from Collins, uh, but now uh, a safety. And if you, it's interesting, you know, State hasn't really slowed down on the portal with the defensive guys because they kind of know everything that's going to be happening there. So you have the continuity, you have the answers there. And they're reloading in the back end of that secondary. You know, they, 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 that's where they needed help. You lose Emmanuel Forbes, you lose Jalen Green, you lose Jackie Matthews, you lose Colin Duncan. Got to have some guys back there. So you bring in Kamari Rogers, you bring in Radar Jones, and now you bring in, uh, Christopher Keys. All those players, by the way, three players from Mississippi who went out of state. 
and return to Mississippi to play at Mississippi State. I, I, I foresee a theme over the next few next decade of 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 this happening. Yeah. Um Borky on the transfer portal front for Ole Miss, Rebels pick up a tight end. Yeah, Caden Prescorn. But the only one that's committed to them so far this weekend, no news on the quarterback front, although Spencer Sanders found his way to campus this weekend. Yeah. So that has become real despite almost having an incumbent starter. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, but yeah, Prescorn, uh, tight end caught over 600 yards worth of passes this year. Uh, really gained a ton of weight. So he was a high school quarterback, very, very lowly recruited, goes to Memphis. They switch him to tight end. He puts on like 55 pounds. So he's 6'6", 255 now, came in as a really tall, lanky quarterback, had a really good year this past year. And tight end hadn't been talked about a lot in terms of portal needs. It's mostly been wide receiver, offensive line. I would argue outside of the trenches, offensive line and defensive line, tight end was as vital as anything. On this roster, I mean, Casey Kelly had off-season surgery, and with all due respect, he, he's limited in his own right. Michael Trigg, when healthy, has still got a long way to go in terms of being locked in and, and prepared, and not a great blocker anyway. Lane Kiffin's offense is much better when they have a useful tight end, and they didn't have it last year. They needed this kid badly, and they got him. And a guy that has developed. As a redshirt freshman in 2020, he appeared in four games. As a redshirt sophomore in 2021, he played in all 12 games with four catches for 46 yards. This year, he was a semifinalist for the John Mackey Award and a Burlesworth Trophy nominee. That's for the best walk-on. Stats this year for Priestcorn for Memphis, he had 48 catches for 602 yards and seven touchdowns. That certainly is a spot where Ole Miss needed to improve. That is your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Talk Mississippi continues. And Nick Saban on the desk of College Game Day at uh, the National Championship game. Sandwiched in between Pat McAfee and Reese Davis. Could personalities be any different than uh, Nick Saban and Pat McAfee? It's quite the contrast there, isn't it? It's up there. It's up there. Yeah. Has Lee Corso been there at all tonight? He's there. Okay, good. Good. I just flipped it over to uh, ESPN. I'd had it on... uh, SEC Nations pregame show. Um, actually going back there now, but anyway. Uh, so what, an hour 23 officially until kickoff and uh, about an hour and nine minutes until they, uh, they start their extended pregame show. Good to be with you this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and uh, Brian Haydad. Kevin says the 1941 Minnesota National Championship is a joke. And then he uh, put in quotes, they ain't played nobody, Paul. Okay. All of the old national championships were a joke. I can't believe we went as long as we did without having a playoff in this sport. We just let reporters who couldn't watch teams outside of the games that they went to Mm -hmm. determine who the champion was. We did that and thought it was okay. 
Jeff sends us a message. He says, Ole Miss won the 1959 Dunkel System National Championship, the 1960 Football Writers Association of America Dunkel System and Williamson System National Championship, and the 1962 Litkenhouse Ratings. The one that is recognized by the NCAA is the FWAA, Football Writers Association of America National Title in 1960. That's the one that they get credit for um, in terms of the big writers. I don't know a whole lot about Dunkel. I should learn a little bit, a uh, little bit more about that. Their donuts aren't great. Ooh, on that we agree. I mean, I know we're talking about something else, but Krispy Kreme way no, better Dunkin than Dunkin'. Dun- oh yeah, yeah. You know they don't bake them on site at Dunkin' Donuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Ship yeah. them in. Yeah. So and he we're was getting like one the first like, analytics get a Krispy Kreme. Dunkel? The Dunkel system was developed in 1929 by Richard Dunkel, otherwise known as Dick Dunkel, senior, to determine a national champion. Dunkel rated. Why do you do it? You know I'm like a five year old. Why do you Why do you make these jokes? You know I'm gonna laugh. Uh, he rated college football teams from 1929 until his passing in '75. This claims that the ratings are recognized by the NCAA in its Football Bowl subdivision record book, describes his methodology as a power index system. He described it as an index and claimed that his difference by scores is scientifically produced. So there you go. First analytics guy. Good good to know. So I'm going to quiz you guys on some uh, some things as we go into the national championship game tonight. I've got uh, I got some charts here in front of me. So let's let's talk about quarterbacks first. Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan. Uh, which of these two quarterbacks had more rushing touchdowns this season? Stetson Bennett or Max Duggan? That feels like a trick question. So I'm going to say Stetson Bennett. Borky, Duggan. It is a trick question, and both of you are correct. Both Stetson Bennett and Max Duggan had eight rushing touchdowns. Stetson Bennett did it on 54 carries for 166 yards. Max Duggan did it on 127 carries and 461 yards rushing. All right, Um, passing yards, more passing yards this season. Bennett or Duggan? Duggan. Bennett. Uh, Bennett, more passing yards. Michael Borky goes ahead by one point. 3,823 yards for Stetson Bennett this year. Uh, 3,546 yards for Max Duggan. More passing touchdowns this season. Duggan or Bennett? Mm, I guess you and I your, mean, I've gone first own. both times. It's, Duggan. It's your turn. I'm going to agree with him. Duggan is correct. 32 passing touchdowns this year for Max Duggan. Only 23 through the air for Stetson Bennett. More interceptions. Bennett or Duggan? Duggan. Duggan. Incorrect. Uh, The mailman, he delivered for everybody. Max Duggan, 32 touchdowns, 6 interceptions this season. Stetson Bennett, 23 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Hmm. More touchdown catches this year. Brock Bowers, the all-everything tight end from Napa, California. Or Quentin Johnson, 
the stud wide receiver for TCU. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Bowers. Dead even. Both with six receiving touchdowns this year. Uh, Brett, uh, Brock Bowers did have three rushing touchdowns as well this season. So Tiebreaker. <laughs> so he's better? <laughs> Clearly. That's the uh, the better answer. Um, you remember that uh, Kendra Miller got hurt in the last game after uh, a pretty good start to that game for TCU in the backfield. Eight carries for 57 yards. But coming off the bench, Imari DiMarcado, uh, he had 17 carries for 150 yards. So Georgia's d- defense is averaging, let's see, Georgia defensively is giving up 80 yards per game. That's first in the SEC and second in the country. And you look at offensively, TCU kind of gets it done on the ground, right? Um I don't have their uh, somewhere I do. I just can't find them. Uh, there they are. TCU, 204.5 yards per game rushing. So TCU coming off that big game, running the football last week against uh, against Michigan. <clears throat> Can they run it tonight against Georgia? I think they can run in big plays. I don't know if they can, can be consistent, five, six yards, move the pile, but they, they have enough speed that they'll, they'll break a long run maybe even two. Okay. Jalen Carter, I mean, you want to talk about a matchup that's worth watching. Jalen Carter in the middle of that defensive line for Georgia. I mean, I think the Tennessee game is the game that stands out for everybody where he was just an absolute wrecker, best player on the field, and nobody would debate that. Middle of that offensive line for TCU. So, Alon Ali is their center. He was a transfer from SMU, came over with Sonny Dykes, second team, all Big 12 this year, and then Steven Avila, or Steve Avila, their left guard, second team All-American. So when you think about Jalen Carter against two guys in the middle of that offensive line, that's a matchup to watch. So it's hard, right, sometimes when we're watching football to watch the, the line of scrimmage. That's a matchup worth watching. What Jalen Carter does on that defensive line for Georgia tonight against uh, a pretty good offensive line for uh, for TCU. If you guys were, were betting on this, I know we talked about it a little bit with uh, with Bruce on, on Friday. He leaned toward taking the points for TCU, but he also pointed out that each of the last five national champions have won by 15 points or more. Would you guys lay the points with Georgia? It, certainly the line has trended late, or, or there's a lot of money that has come in on Georgia late to take it from 12.5 on Friday to 13.5 where we are today. Are you still are you still sticking with TCU and laying the points? Yeah, that line feels so big. Georgia defensively, as at times and, and even last week. Now I think Ohio State's a little bit more talented than TCU across the board, but Georgia hasn't exactly been this shut down, dominating defense. I think that TCU, will, I think they'll be able to do enough to keep it within two touchdowns. I hope so as well, but I think they can. Once you had it, I would, I would take the points with TCU. I feel like it's going to be close. 
Just feel like TCU is going to hit a couple of big plays. They're going to something crazy might happen. Georgia will end up winning. I mean, they might win by ten, but that's not thirteen. Yeah, yeah. It would be a real bummer to have this season end in a blowout. Because it's been a great season, and it won't take away from that. But Steven says I got TCU twelve and a half, but I think Georgia will win. Kind of feel like that's where most people fall, right? They think Georgia ultimately is going to win this game, but they like getting almost two uh, two touchdowns. We get a message on the ceasefire text line. I know this is something that Michael Borky agrees with. He says, "Good for the sport if TCU wins." That you're you're big on that train, right, Bork? I am absolutely. I, I think that now them losing here still proves a lot, but but to overcome all of the differences between them and what they have and what their roster is versus Georgia, I think would give a lot of, maybe it's false, but would give a lot of hope to people that have started to think about checking out. And that applies to fans in this state thinking that they can't compete. Well, if TCU goes and wins it and you've got the expansion coming in a year, yeah, you can. Because they will prove it. Yeah. Hopefully. Half an hour left with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Supertalk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Kyle on the ceasefire text line says, This is not from the heart. TCU 42, Georgia 35. If I'm right, I want some Polk sausage. <laughs> well, tell me where you live, Kyle, and I will give you directions to the grocery store that is closest so that you can award yourself with Polk sausage if you are right for, uh, for your prediction. Colin Hattiesburg, what's been the largest margin of victory in the championship game since we have had the playoff? Well, glad you asked, Cole. Uh, two different times we have had a 28-point margin of victory. Uh, hopefully that's not what we get tonight. 2019 Clemson over Alabama, 44-16. And 2021 Alabama, 52-24 over Ohio State. Uh, but again, the last four college football playoff national championship games have been decided by 15 or more. Georgia 33-18 last year. Before that, just mentioned it, Bama over Ohio State 52-24. LSU over Clemson 42-25. Clemson over Alabama 44-16. Before that, so the 2018 game was close, Bama 26-23 over Georgia. You remember that one, don't you? Uh, Clemson, a four-point winner over Alabama in 2017. Alabama, a five-point winner over Clemson in 2016. We talked about this some last week. And then the first college football playoff game, which was January 12th of 2015, following the 2014 season, Ohio State in a rout over Oregon. Ohio State was the four seed. They beat Alabama. 
in the uh, in the semifinal. Who did Oregon beat? Oregon beat Florida, Florida State? State. That was when Jameis threw the Florida ball backwards. State. Yeah, Oregon beat Florida State, and then Ohio State beat Oregon forty-two to twenty in that game, and that was the highest attended game of the uh, college football playoff era. Happened in uh, in Arlington. Almost eighty-six thousand at that game between Ohio State and Oregon. Since then, all the attendances outside of the COVID year have been in the 70,000 range. A little bit smaller last year. Lucas Oil Stadium, smaller stadium, 68,000 and change. This year it will be just over 70 for Georgia and TCU. Uh, a lot of college football talk today, guys, but we do have playoff matchups set in the NFL. Three games in the NFC, three games in the AFC in the Super Wild Card Weekend. The Eagles get the bye on the NFC side of things. The Chiefs, by virtue of their win, get the bye on the AFC side, and so it sets up this for this weekend. On Saturday, Seahawks and 49ers in San Francisco, 3.30. What are those, Eastern times, Borky? Are those no, that's us. Okay, so 3.30 Eastern for us. It'll be 1.30 local time on the West Coast. And then... Chargers at Jags on Saturday night. Consecutive Saturday nights in Jacksonville. And Jags fans, you know, are feeling it, Borky. Yeah. That place will be legit fired up. Abs- I mean, just nuts. Uh, Trevor Lawrence last week, though, I say last week, uh, literally two days ago, looked a little rattled. And and I can't help but wonder if that's a trend because that happened in the national championship game as well in college. Mm-hmm. Now, it's picking out things to, to make a point, but he was not sharp at all with the season on the line a couple of days ago. Defense had to win that game for Jacksonville. Would like to see him play a little bit better if they're going to win this game. Okay. Triple hitter on Sunday. Dolphins at Bills at noon on Sunday in Buffalo. I feel like that's blowout city. Yeah. And and Tua has not yet been cleared, by the way. No, it probably won't be. Even if he does. I I, I think that a blowout's coming. Like some, some destiny stuff? Buffalo's a team of destiny. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns in their final game, including the op- the first play after they watched one of their teammates die and be resuscitated on the field, they're a team of destiny. Uh, in Sunday in Buffalo, high of 34, low of 25, partly cloudy. Boo. You wanted snow, didn't you? Give me you snow. You wanted like 22 in snow? Yes. Uh, so that's the early game on Sunday, the noon game. The 3.30 game on Sunday, Giants at Vikings. That could be fun. It'll be yeah. loud inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Whew. I think the Giants can win that game. The Giants can win that game. And then on Sunday night, speaking of great atmospheres, Ravens at Bengals on Sunday night at 7-15. Yeah. That'll be real good. Should be good. Still maybe no yeah. Lamar, though. Uh, apparently he's telling people that he's going to come back and play, but you know the NFL insiders are saying that People that watch practice tell you that he's not ready to play. Yeah, his his next snap will be as the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Overpay? Why not? Oh, really? 
Contract negotiations yeah, not not? going well? Oh, really? We shall see. Uh, and then finally, finally, on Monday night, Cowboys at Bucks. Monday night football, playoff style. 7-15 kickoff. Whoa. State fans aren't going to like million. this. This is the indictment game for Dak Prescott. It is. Needs to win, even though it's on the road. Needs to win. He's got his big contract. He got a Super Bowl winning coach. And it's not fair. I mean, people put way too much on the quarterback when it comes to wins and losses. There are 21 other players on the field. But this is the indictment game for Dak Prescott. It is. I mean, people are going to affirm narratives about him or create them if they go to to Tampa Bay and they lose this game. Because they sputtered to the finish. He didn't play well in their final game. If they go to Tampa and he doesn't play well and they lose and his coach gets fired, there will be narratives. But to what end? I mean, that contract's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Jerry Jones is loyal. To a fault. They've made the commitment. But people will compare him to Romo. He'll just be Tony Romo with a bigger contract. Yeah. Which... Hey, real quick, Richard, let me uh, let me barge in here, and I'm going to give an Ole Miss guy some credit, but it's richly deserved. I uh, just saw where the national, the NSMA Sports Media Awards are out. David Kellum named the Mississippi Sportscaster of the Year. Hey, that is absolutely fantastic. I texted David just a and little Rick while Cle- ago. Rick Cleveland continues his dynasty. It's like the 14th time. Is that right? You want to talk about where we need parody? We need it with the Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year. Rick Cleveland just owns that. I was looking at that release a little while ago. What is it, the ninth time that David Kellum has been named Mississippi Sportscaster of the Year and the 14th time that Rick Cleveland has been named the Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year? It's uh, pretty good stuff. Yeah, we also, got no parody. Also... Congratulations to uh, friend of the show and all-around good guy Ben Ingram, who was named the Georgia Sportscaster of the Year. As well he should be, yeah. No doubt. This needs, no a, doubt. Th- th- this needs a Podcaster of the Year uh, category. I just want to say that. I mean, so Podcaster Sportscast? Absolutely they are. No, I mean, I mean I, I, I'm not going up against Kellum and Price. I'm not playing that game. i got no chance to win that. I don't Me know. There's been category. some diversity in the uh, th- that award in recent years. Seen a number of different people. You can't give it to the same guy every year. <laughs> Rick Cleveland would like a word. Oh, I... <laughs> yeah, that's like, are you sure? Well, hey, Dad, the first thing we got to do is make you a member of the National Sports Media Association. You know, I'll pay. I'll pay my dues. I got an email. Hey, Dad and I, one day you were out, Richard, we're talking about how we get some PR emails sometimes, yeah. people pitching guests, and it was a lady that wrote a column about Harry and Meghan's documentary, uh-huh. and we said we were going to surprise you by having them on as a guest okay. and not tell you who it is and just have the interview start and let you figure it out on your own. But I got one that was asking me to pay to be a part of one of those organizations, and part of the pitch was that that I get automatically nominated to win the award that they give out every year. And then it hit me, because I don't really pay attention to industry stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of these awards that get given out to these people are bought and paid for. 
Not, That's not how it works with NSMA. No, for the record. No, but like you, you'll you'll pull up some guy's bio. And it'll be like award-winning journalist won this award, and like I check my email, and it's oh, they bought that award. Interesting. Like we, the, the who's the who three of the three of us tied for the uh, the three of us tied for Telesouth Industries uh, Sportscaster of the Year this year. I heard. Mm. Dwayne and Brandon says, "What about you guys as Sports Show of the Year?" That's not a category. They so they do. Uh, NSMA does should be. a national sports caster and a national sports writer of the year. The national sports caster of the year this year was uh, Ian Eagle. I don't remember who the mm-hmm. writer was. I saw that release earlier. Writers were, it was a tie, Ken Rosenthal and, huh. uh, oh, God, uh, Pete Thamel. Huh, okay. Uh, and then they do a Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame inductees this year are Lee Corso, Bill Plaschke, and two others, um... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, can he get? I'm about to say, can he get it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Dan Kelly and Roger Engel. We'll be back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready on the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. M-Trade Park in Oxford, 14 synthetic turf infields, all with natural grass outfield, and they are getting ready for a busy spring season. Get started first week of February. is going to roll all the way through the end of June with tournaments every single weekend. Baseball, fast pitch, soccer, you've got it all. If you're going to play this spring, play M-Trade. You can find the full schedule of events online at their website, mtradepark.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, one last time with you on this Monday afternoon. The third seed TCU Horn Frogs who went 13-1 and one, or have gone 13-1 and one against the Georgia Bulldogs who are a perfect 14-0. and oh. Georgia won the national title last year with a 14-1 and one record. The only loss was in the SEC championship game to Alabama. Bounced back and won a national title. This one could be a fun one tonight. We'll see. Against the number this year, Georgia is 7-7 seven and seven against the spread. TCU, 10-3-1 wow. against the spread this season. The line for this game, 13.5. Georgia favored by 13.5. The total is 62. On the money line, Georgia is minus 480. TCU plus 360 on the money line. You guys excited about this one? I am. I am, too. That's why I keep saying I hope it's good. I mean, I was kind of sad this morning thinking about it. The NFL regular season's over. Not not all of you love the NFL, but it's you know, the most popular sport in America. That regular season has ended, and tonight college football's over. Yeah, that's what, I'm excited for the game, but it's 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 sort of like you know when like a child graduating and going off to college. Like I, there's some sadness involved too, you know. We are very lucky. We say this all the time, but we're lucky that people care so much about baseball here. Absolutely, because yeah. one, 
starting this week, I imagine. I mean, we'll still talk about State and Southern Miss basketball, but Ole Miss basketball needs to look competent for us to talk about them. The the number for the countdown to baseball is now in the 30s. Yeah, 39 days, is that right? So just about a month away. That's correct. Got a reigning national champion, a team that hosted a Super Regional, a team that's two years removed from a national championship, and we get to spend four months on that. Which carries us right back into the lead-up for football season. Yes, sir. Exactly. So we're yeah. lucky here. Now, these last two years, we really got spoiled by national championship teams. Can't almost basically the, carrying us to, to media to the 4th of July. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, we got uh, we through June. The whole way. We'll, do, uh, we'll do a little bit of fun 4th of July stuff. Then we'll go to media days, and then we'll be a full-on countdown to uh, another football and then season. Then practice starts. Practice starts, yeah. Uh, that's right. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Georgia is the uh, home team tonight. TCU is the visiting team. That literally means color of jerseys and who calls the coin toss. So someone from TCU will say either heads or tails while wearing a white jersey. And um, Georgia, if TCU loses the toss, will say we defer while wearing a red jersey. That's all that home and away means in this game. That's it. TCU's jerseys are really stinky. I'll, I'll be honest. Not 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 a good selection. Black, black and purple is not a good combination, especially when TCU has a really really good look when they go all white with their purple helmets. Yeah. But uh, hypnotoad on the on the side of the hat. You a hypnotoad guy? Hey, love hypnotoad. Yeah, can you not love hypnotoad? Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want TCU to win just so I can see what their what their social media people do. They do the craziest videos. They don't make any sense. I don't get it because I'm old, but they are. They make me laugh. So I want to see what they do if they win. The uh, the national championship game is a little over half an hour away, but the coolest news of the day is Demar Hamlin is back in Buffalo. He was released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center earlier today after spending almost a week in the hospital following his cardiac arrest on the field at Paycor Stadium in last night's Monday Night Football game. News was shared by doctors William Knight and Timothy Pritz of UC Health, who were part of the team that was treating Hamlin and were authorized by his family to provide the updates. He flew from Cincinnati to Buffalo earlier today and has been transferred to Buffalo General Medical Center. He is currently listed in stable condition and continues to make significant progress in his recovery. The goal of the transfer to Buffalo General is to get him closer to home for further evaluation recovery and eventually discharge and rehabilitation, that according to his doctors. And that is the best news of the day. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. We hope you enjoy your championship Monday night. TCU and Georgia kickoff in just over 46 minutes. For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.